This is We Will Win Baba, our first podcast. Um, I am Husni, Husni Ariyama. I am of Somali descent, grew up in the UK, and uh, I am a teacher, fully qualified, by the way. Um, And this is my wife. Yep, so I am Charlie, um, and I am of South African descent. Uh, Grew up in South Africa and then moved to the UK, so I have a bit of a British background as well. Um, I'm also mixed race, so I am half South, uh, half Swiss and half South African, um, and I am a female. Hey! <laughs> so I'm part of this podcast to kind of bring that um, female perspective as well into the the, the discussion. Um, we're often missed off. Black women are often missed off um, a lot of topics and discussions. And also, my occupation, I am currently a student studying herbalism. My lance, yes. yes. So I'm yes, now going yes, to pass yes, over yes. to my fellow South African. Yes. Omolimo. Omolimo Tamai. Tamayas, you already know. Um, I'm a photographer, videographer based in North Wales. I'm the director of my own media company. Founded that a, uh, three years ago now um, and have been working... Uh, throughout that, essentially working with uh, commercial on commercial stuff that's to do with campaigns, obviously photos, making posters, uh, working more with social enterprises and, of course, Black Lives Matter, the, the cause at the moment. So, um, oh, what else? My background, as Charlie said, I'm South African. If anybody knows about South Africa and its actual borders, we border a couple of countries Um Two of those being Lesotho, which is actually encased within South Africa, and Botswana to the north. And uh, my people are actually from all of those, even though I obviously have two parents, but kind of three countries of heritage. So um, there's a lot of interesting parts of blackness and Africa that we can kind of break down and talk about, which we will be doing at another time. Uh, I think uh, today what we're going to be talking about is being black is a pandemic coronavirus Coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) and how that's been affecting black people all around the world as well as amidst of that the police brutality that has continued to affect our community rest in peace george floyd r.i.p r.i.p Breonna Taylor, all of like these are people. These are names of people who have died in a uh, at the hands of police brutality in amidst a international pandemic. So, um, let's get into it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Then. So, um, one of the obviously the key the key thing that we're talking about is coronavirus. Uh, how it's disproportionately affecting Black people everywhere, even though there is a low incidence on the African continent, which shows that the disease is not in any way targeting black people. We are not susceptible to it um, from purely being African. It's not anything to do with melanin. Um, uh, What are you guys, uh, what are you guys saying? Charlie, do you want to go first? No, you want to go. I think if you think about it, like the the, the, the COVID-19 as a whole has has affected uh, the black community in a lot of places and i think it sort of purely comes down to the socio-economic powers of the black community around the world um obviously due to history um we've basically been forced to take the short hand or the short straw um which basically then in a nutshell makes us susceptible to a lot of things um and one of them being like you know we can't really fight this uh, pandemic for example uh, the biggest one is i think in a lot of places in, in london especially city i grew up in a lot of the um people of color are actually the ones who are doing the you know the, they're doing the groundwork the groundwork so bus drivers nurses nursing homes all of these things cleaners um these people live in, in apartment blocks and you know if, if you've been to london you know that space is actually very very like you know limited in a house so you could be paying 
like five thousand uh, pounds a month. You know, that's exaggerated, but you know, sometimes it's like that, and you literally have to eat and drink and sleep in the same place. In a nutshell, so I think it's very very hard um, to to you know stop the spread in, in a lot of these families. Uh, so I think again, uh, it comes down to socioeconomic power, and at the moment, um, you know, black people as a franchise haven't actually got that power to to you know help themselves against this really. Yeah, absolutely. I think when when you look at um, as you were mentioning how black people live, not just black people, but I guess in the UK called BAME, um, black Asian and minority ethnics live. Um, they all live in quite crowded areas. Um, sometimes you have up to three generations just living in one house. Um, and all these people are working on the front line. They're the NHS, um, not just like the nurses and, and some doctors, and, um, but they're the cleaners. And um, they have, they're the, the people who have most contact with patients and people who, who have COVID. Um, and although in reality, when you think about it, how COVID, even it might not necessarily just be people in their household, um, living in a crowded apartment building, for example, as well, could just be you just literally sharing a lift space with someone and then you get COVID because of that. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely been an issue um, and it's got nothing to do with genetic makeup. It's just how society is like and how disproportionate um black people live mm -hmm. and all the other minority ethnics as well yeah uh, as usual in the us there is uh, a bit more information available and uh, i saw a vox talk and i'm gonna like add the link below or something so what they were talking about was a place in mississippi um they actually call it cancer alley because of um it's it's a place along the the Mississippi River. It's a, uh, something like a fifty mile stretch, and along it used to be uh, plantations. So it's historically black. The the black people that were uh, originally freed then worked as sharecroppers, and a lot of them after that uh, formed the communities around that. But what happened after the industrialization of those areas is that petrochemical industries moved in. They started, as well as polluting the rivers, you can imagine the air toxins that are uh, emitted by these kinds of companies. Uh, something like uh, PM25 being one of the, the, the worst carcinogens. Um, and it's supposed to be a, like a tiny fiber. That's something that gets into people's lungs and causes the kind of underlying diseases um, like asthma, heart disease, uh, that then go on to, to leave people more susceptible to things like COVID. So um, that's one example in the US, uh, which I'm sure will apply in the UK. Um, in the US, they actually had formal segregation in terms of redlining. Black people couldn't move across certain lines. That wasn't ever formal in the UK, but obviously um, those people that have been in the UK, that have lived in the UK, there's a very stark difference. You can tell where black people live. Yeah, there's black areas yeah, um, where black people live. Yeah. Ghettos, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, those come back to the African-Caribbean communities when they started to move in with the Windrush. So, um, I mean, the reason I, I want to make sure that this is all captured in terms of like the UK perspective is that I still come across people who are like this. George Floyd was 4,000 miles away. And I noticed that um, uh, Boris Bojo, the clown, his speech started with um, some, it started with a reference to how far away it was. And I realized that they always try and distance the problem. Um, they try and make it seem like it's a problem that's over there, which is why we always like kind of have to put that in that the same things are happening in the UK. Um, I mean, we've all had experience in the UK. You guys aren't here at the moment. Um, uh, and yeah, so like we, the same as having having to having anti protesters at our protest, uh, which is uh, I, I just happen to be one of the organizers of an event uh, and you know we we obviously get to the site a bit earlier than than the protesters do to set up especially yeah. like amongst covid and we had one person that came up 
dressed in all white, so it, it seemed like he was just doing it on purpose because the the dress code said um, said all black for the Black Lives Matter um, actual yeah, demonstrators. So he turns up in in dressed in all white, like literally white shoes, white trousers, white t-shirt, white jumper, um, <laughs> and he's like all but all lives matter. And he's like, can somebody explain this to me? And we we're like, so you really kind of came down like. The same place you got your information probably has a Google machine or function on it. You couldn't Google what it was about. Instead, uh, you'd rather come down. So, like, we have these kinds of disruptions, um, and it's all basically related. Anyway, um, so go question on. For, uh, for you guys: like, what do you think, like, as well, um, in terms of the healthcare system being? uh what's the word like not privatized <laughs> um not being able to kind of not this episode not, isn't. not taking black people and their pain um seriously so um when we look at the um mortality rate for for black women um giving birth um it's it's disproportionately higher compared to their white counterparts mm -hmm. um reasons for that is because doctors and midwives and nurses white ones in particular don't take notice um when a black woman is saying i am in pain i need xyz mm -hmm. and they're just in fact they're being exaggerating so i guess in terms of covid do you think that that is something that's also affecting um black people in the nhs um that when they're coming in with symptoms they're not taking it seriously and therefore that's also what's contributing to the high number of deaths that we're seeing mm. um i'm so uh, with regards to covid i'm sure it, there there must be those kinds of effects um and i'm sure, like in the same way that the so the doctors have been under orders in terms of distributing tests. Originally, it was just people that were displaying symptoms. And obviously, that wasn't good practice because of the way that COVID was, was spreading and blah, blah. So they... Okay, let me let me start off with this. Medical racism is is very much a huge aspect of racism. The the complaints that Charlie's making about child uh, child mortality and um, the mother's mortality when it comes to childbirth, um, I've, I know statistics that that were saying like during the apartheid and even soon after the apartheid era, black mothers were still dying at ten times the rate. Um, so it was about 12 mothers out of every thousand that were dying uh, during childbirth and it was 120 out of every thousand for black mothers and that was due to the medical racism that Charlie's talked about. It's about the medical staff, both the doctors and the nurses, um, ignoring the requests of the mothers and the women who are obviously going through pain and discomfort. Um, it's about them be there being cheaper alternatives, which uh, can be uh, deemed uh, the only thing that's worth uh, supplying to uh, black people, um, as well as um, I, I think there are just there are just a lot of issues um, to dis to disentangle, but um, it all roots from um, the the nineteenth century invention of race and the way that they originally. Um, there, there was a medical basis to it. There, there were academics that were that were saying that we were three fifths human, and that has persisted because the people at the top haven't changed. So that's how all this ties in. Um, the the point that at the moment we're talking about it specifically to COVID doesn't surprise me. Um, it, it's it's something that's going to keep surfacing as long as we've as long as it's uh, it's not dealt with. Um, yeah, the exact mechanisms of how it would uh, actually come up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about either. But you've already given an example, so I'm sure that they do exist. Hasni, what are you thinking? I think, I think when it comes to me, Charlie, they've had a lot of discussions, obviously, like you know, talking about having kids and stuff like that and whatnot. I think over here we're obviously based in Cambodia at the moment. Um, so for here we have actual like you know health insurance. It's not like the UK where you have an interest. But I think. I think in these times when there's this fear, I think it's that's why a lot of uh, black people in particular that we've seen online have actually opted for midwives to come to their homes, specifically black midwives, so they can have a home birth. 
And I think it, that might be a way to to go forward in the future. That might be a, a way to you know save absolutely. These, I think when when lives. we're talking about um, black women and and birds, that can be a, a separate topic that we think. But in terms of COVID, mm. do you think that that is something that is? Do you think medical racism is playing a part in the mortality rate? I think definitely to a degree. Like if you think about it, a lot of the time, like in the UK, people, well, actually in America, forget that the UK also has racism as well. That was just like what the flip. UK is just really insidious in the way it sort of like you know portrays it. But me growing up there and Charlie, even myself, it's very obvious. Like the older you get, the more you actually see it with like, you know your eyes, and the more you feel really unwelcome and stuff. You know, I went, I, I started in year three when I was about seven as a little kid, and I remember the first time when things changed over there was like September 11th when it happened. I came back from school, I was like in year four or something, and I was like, I saw Twin Towers getting broke up. I was like, wow, what's going on here? And I think ever since that happened, that shift, everything's been different. Before that, we used to just play around, but then you get older, you go to university, then you actually get to the workplace and you actually see fully functioning human beings who are, can't comprehend certain things to do with you know like the fact that there is this you know race issue and being overlooked for a job and names and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. but i think overall yeah like you know it's very hard to expect someone who doesn't you know who can't comprehend the fact that you're going through something you know how do how do they do you then expect that person to care for you because they already see you you know as a lesser person they might not do it like openly but there's that also that unconscious bias absolutely that, the issue that's a lot of people that it takes a lot of you know unlearning these are just behaviors you're not born with it you learn it and therefore it's like a bad habit like you know i i like sugar but i'm cutting down but it's it's a, it's a bad habit you know and if you don't kind of actively do actively it as do well. it every day and try to run around and stuff like you know that's the thing and then that's what i've been doing recently and stuff and it's just one of them things and i think racism can be you know done in that way but there are people who don't want it to end and who do benefit from every aspect of it so therefore if you're get, if you if you're making bank, uh, why would you change your formula? As as the English say, if it ain't you know broken, don't fix it. Kind of mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think then that black people can do um, to protect themselves against COVID to kind of lesser their chances of um, getting it? Um, apart from the advice that the government has given. I, I do you think there's anything else that we could do as a as a community? Yeah, definitely. To be honest, the the government's advice has not been great. Um, we all know at the moment the reason that they're, they're trying to open stuff is economic and not because we actually think things are safe. So, um, in terms of that, like it it honestly does come to arming yourself against this kind of thing. We uh, have adopted. You, you do have to change your habits. Um, we've adopted like any time you leave the house, you have to have a pair of gloves, a mask and sanitizer on you. Um, and that's just standard. I literally have my, um, I literally bought a bag for it so that I can just carry everything at once. I've usually got a few pairs of gloves uh, as well. I've got a little satchel, man bag, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we... It's interesting as well because in the um so obviously me and husband being in cambodia um in asia it's a very common thing for people to just walk around with masks mm -hmm. so um we got masks way before covid even like came into effect because it's just the normal thing to have here mm. um mainly due to the the pollution yeah pollution is extremely high here um and if you're in um open cars obviously you're just going to be inhaling all this carbon monoxide and all that jazz um and i know that in the uk even though we there there is still high pollution in the uk and when especially when you're going like the london underground or something where it's really crowded yeah um it's 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 just funny that um it was never something that was common to do yeah. in the uk already when you come to like places like asia and everyone is just kind of doing it already it was a very very asian thing like it was also like a form of fashion like, whenever whenever someone wore it in a music video or something they're like oh yeah you know they're in tokyo they're here you know all that kind of stuff mm. and also a lot of people are like oh yeah you know the man didn't have they had the sars and that so you know that's why they had put that on but it's, it's mainly you know pollution like i, I go to school in a tuk-tuk 
it's got like doors but no windows so after football when i'm coming back the traffic's quite bad so i might be sitting in there for like 20 minutes and the next to me is like a big you know hgv heavy goods vehicle just blowing up bare black smoke mm. literally i'm just yeah, they ain't got, got no MOT here yeah, as well, so... Yeah, that, that <laughs> you're literally just eating that smoke. And for me, like, I wanted to obviously buy it, but it's obviously being in Cambodia, post is kind of, like, difficult because I, I, we ordered it online and that. Mm. So eventually when Carly came, I was like, I really need to order it. So for me, I was kind of being a little bit lazy, to be fair. I had one of the surgical ones, but they're, like, absolutely useless. Yeah, they're kind of, so they're really crap. We got ones that, like, actually have, like, a little air thingy here, and they the filter, also yeah. work extra... Um, and they've got like filters filters so uh, we actually need to change one of them actually so we've got like a we actually bought like a decent amount and we bought two masks each mm. to be fair um so yeah so i think in that sense but as for the uk i think the best thing for people black people in general uh, what they can do is they need to there needs to be like a a website or something where there's like trusted black doctors like we have so many gps that are mm. black and, and whatnot so we need to actually yeah, we want them to come forward, right? we want them to maybe write little blogs, we want them to do little radios things, and so because they're inside the NHS so they can tell us what I want, mm. and therefore we can then trust them, you know, in that sense. Um, and I think that's what they need to do. So, we're, you know, the British Black Medical Association of doctors or GPs need to kind of come out and we need to search for them as well because I feel like we need to just, as I said, at this moment, trust our own uh, uh, people because it's very hard to get compassion from someone who as you said, sees you as like a three-fifths human or some nonsense like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So I think that that's where it needs to start, really, to be fair. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, um, I, I would second that. I think, I think knowledge sharing, um, basically what you've said in terms of building some kind of... Uh, I think we have to build our own... Uh, in short, yeah, this is this That's is yeah. We, we we have to we actually have to build our own. Like health comes before wealth, basically. So we need to build some kind of um, shared resource that that pe that people can access. It's not just like an academic platform. If you get me, it has to be a, a shared platform that people can access. And one of the things that people forget is we actually need to let people know about it and let them know that this is built specifically by black people for black people because yeah. like we've said there are issues that um only black it's not that actually let me not say only black people understand but black people take them as seriously as they should be taken basically um like you said some some people lack compassion and yet they work in positions that, that where compassion should is like a prerequisite it is an absolute must-have uh, and obviously they don't have compassion for said people because of the color of their skin so it's definitely something that should be taken seriously i, I do think um the the statistics on on childbirth um particularly are one of the biggest things that affect us because you know it, it affects the mothers like um it's 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 really difficult to to basically take that um yeah in in terms of covid oh what is there anything specific that we could do in terms of covid to to kind of add on to the question because i feel like the the, the needing of building shared resource is uh, to be honest to me it's something that's doable it's something that definitely could be done um yeah just having that transparency yeah um, but as you said, like, let's be honest, like a lot of the communities, you know, the ethnic communities, um, they have their own things. Like the, the Jewish people in America, they have, you know, the unorthodox Jews in America. In Williamsburg, they have their own community, yeah. they have their own police, they have everything like that. Mm. I know they're a bit ahead of us in terms of the game. Like, you know, the game started, like we got tripped over a few times, so we're literally just getting our way back up. But they have literally run in the race kind of thing. So I think... But us, wherever we are, we need to actually have these associations. And a lot of communities have them everywhere you go. So it's mainly the, I find the, like, mainly Indian communities are very, very active within the community. So wherever you go, there's always an Indian, Sydney, Indian, Mumbai, Indian, Rwanda, the center. There's always something, right? Mm. And in my community, Somali community, like, uh, we have Yeah, you guys ride. <laughs> yes. So we're quite close in that sense. We know everyone's business, basically, right? So it's a bit... <laughs> yeah, I've heard from... <laughs> <laughs> so we have something called ayuto so um oh and also a little a little um a little food for thought um somalis diaspora actually send back every year this was a statistic from 2016 they send 1.4 billion dollars in cash remittance mm. so obviously 
call it black tax. So I send it back to, to, you know, family back home every month to help them with school and everything, all that kind of stuff. So all, like the things that our communities have money, like, you know, we, we put money into to religion, let's be honest, like this, you know, uh, whatever religion you are, you, you're giving, you know, money and then church getting bigger, everything else. But at the same time, you're not getting like your kids after school club, you're not getting them like STEM uh, centers, all these things that actually the community need. And I think mm. once the community as a whole comes together and does that thing that a lot of African communities do, which we do, is called Ayoto. Every month, um, people in the community put money together and um, every month someone uses that money either to buy a car, to do a little down payment on the house, to do a little business thing. So it's like a circle, like there's about 50 men and them just it's all cash in hand, obviously, in it. Uh, yeah. government. <laughs> so I, I think I think we need to, and you know, I'm sure it was a very traditional thing back home in Africa that people used to do back home. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, quote me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I think it's a, it's something that um, we do also in the Zulu community and in Africa. We, we do the same thing um, where you come together and um, put money together, and then it just um, choose who it kind of goes to. Um, it's not something that is more commonly done now in the more modern age, um, but it was something I remember my mother saying. That. But I think I think also like as Africans, like you know, we we when we come to the West, like sometimes we shed a lot of things from our cultures, mm -hmm. uh, which are really good. For example, in Burkina Faso, um, West Africa, like if you are young and you have a wife, you get married, uh, the whole community, everyone in your borough, pretty much or whatever, comes out and helps you build your house from scratch. Right? Nice. So think about it. Literally everyone helps you. Like the women do some special sculptures, the men do the roof. It's like a community thing. And they literally do it within like about a month, four weeks. You and your newly wedded wife have got like a silo for your peanuts and vegetables you got a house peanuts, like yeah. do you know what i mean like pa peanuts are staples um, <laughs> so i think as africans we're very generous and i think as africans we need to come together wherever we are as a black community and literally literally all it takes is literally one or two pounds even if you say five pounds a month subscription tenor everyone has a tenor yeah. you know how much money that would be and in every borough you've got your own uh, grocery shops you've got your own homework clubs you've got your own gyms you've got that's the thing like the money especially in america the black community apparently only stays in there for what six hours six hours, yeah. six yeah. hours. um you know shout out to killer mike um trigger warning on, on netflix and yeah um he was trying to live black for 24 hours it was hard three days it was three days he could not so he couldn't drive cars that were made by white companies he couldn't do anything he had to get a bike from this black guy who makes bikes in the community and stuff yeah. so it's a really good thing but i think it's very important for us to see that we need our own shops absolutely i think just adding on to that as well it's like just for covid in particular um it's taking the learnings from um africa africa as a continent has the lowest rate of covid so clearly doing something right um and just looking at what they're doing there's so many things that are happening and it's just not being um, yeah, it's not being shown by the media because whenever there's a good narrative in Africa, um, they don't want they don't want to show it because it shows that the black man is getting stronger and they don't want that. Um, yeah, so uh, Senegal, for example, are doing the um, home test kits for one dollar, um, so they're going to be really cheap and people can get their results. I think um, Ghana were doing like mass testing. Um, and able to test like I can't remember the exact number, but it's like thousands at one in like in one go, and yeah. you get results like instantly. Um, also, Madagascar, um, in terms of a herbalism point of view, um, uh, which is another thing that we can definitely incorporate into our lives to make us make ourselves like healthier and stuff as well as going back to traditional medicine and looking at that. Um, using plants and, and 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 herbs that are around us to kind of um, help with that, um, and that's exactly what Madagascar are doing. Um, uh, I can't remember the plant that they were looking at, but it's shown promise that it might be able to um, help with COVID. Um, so they're actually doing trials at the moment for for that, um, and that's just using um, plants and stuff that we have around us. Mm. Um, it doesn't just have to be um, Big pharma. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be orthodox medicine uh, that we look to um, and look towards. Um, Western culture has made us feel like we need to rely 
heavily on 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 that and it's not always the case there's a time yeah. and place for that type of 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 knowledge and there's also a time and place for um just letting your body kind of heal yourself yeah and um, making sure that you're eating right and that you're um you know getting those traditional herbs that a lot of a lot of pharmaceuticals are actually based off of um and just getting whole foods in you um, and stop eating all those processed <laughs> yeah that's literally like me growing up in somalia like if i ever got ill or got a cold i like my mom would give me like hot tea with a little dash of milk and some peppers like she would put so much peppercorns in there and like i actually tried this on the charlie's uh, stepdad who's belgian so he's a he's a white guy and then i was like hey you need to try this man he was like dying and, you know i'm exaggerating obviously but yeah um and literally I, I made him a cup of tea put like a little bit of pepper in there and obviously for me even i didn't really know the powers of pepper until charlie started embarking on her herbalism course then when i when we did research on pepper it's like it's an anti-inflammatory that it's got so much good qualities and yeah like her, her dad literally got better he was like i had like three of these so far and i'm like my throat's good like it's calm and it just shows you you know cameroon apparently the 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 need for herbalists and, and native doctors has gone through the roof mm. like people are starting to realize like wow you know and that's the thing malaria quinine is found from a tree and they just put it in just because they put it into a capsule and put pfizer or glasgow glasgow smith whatever climb yeah they're mandem, bro. you know what i mean it doesn't mean that it's better for you you know all of this is just packaging half of the stuff as charlie mentioned it's from the earth but yeah that with a good diet obviously i know it's very hard sometimes in a lot of country um i think for us in cambodia it's a bit easier in a lot of Western countries, I think, you know, you have a lot of takeouts, um, you know. But even in Western countries, I think it's easier because you have access to, um, you have access to, um, I'm talking about Europe, I'm not talking about the US, because I know in the US they have like food deserts and stuff like that. Mm. But in Europe, um, you have access to your Tesco's and your Aldi's and all of that jazz where you can get your whole foods and you can get vegetables quite easily. Mm. Um, and they're actually cheaper than buying your processed foods. Um, it, it depends. If you're trying to get organic stuff from obviously... Obviously, organic is always going to cost a bit more, but you don't yeah. always have to get organic. Just True. make sure that you're washing your vegetables properly if it's not organic. Yeah, um, that's very, very Wash your vegetables even if it is organic. But with if it's non-organic, you just need to do that extra step. Um, also, a little bit of fasting as well is quite good, to be fair. Like, we're currently yeah. doing, like, a... 16 hour fast uh eight hour eat, eating window so we eat from 12 midday uh our window opens to eat so we wake up chill da, 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 just drink a bit of water and then when it gets to 12 that's when we can actually start eating until eight o'clock in the evening and then from eight o'clock in the evening until the next day 12 we don't eat so i think that allows you to obviously lose a little bit of pounds um for me specifically i put on weight really quickly the way my body is made so that with a bit of exercise of actually you know starting to you know look a bit you know what I'm saying? So I think it's very, very important. <laughs> I think also people forget that fasting actually has really dead. good health Fasting has really good health benefits, you know, That's like true. it allows the body to clean itself. It goes through different stages. It allows the body to get rid of, you know, um, cells that it's basically, it's got in its reserves inventory, but it doesn't need it. Expired food, fam. You get me? It's throwing it all out. Exactly. So I think a lot of people need to give their bodies a rest. Like we eat two meals a day and we're fine. Uh, some people even do the OMAD, which is one meal a day. I know we're digressing, but I think that's very, very important. There's mandem living for long, and mm -hmm. that's because they fast. Absolutely. You I need think to have a break in between. You can't just be full. Eating all the time. Gassing all the time, yeah. So I think it's very, very important, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, go on, John. Um, to kind of just bring this all back to, to the topic at hand, um, there was a post that I saw on Instagram um, and I think quite a few people were holding this up at protests and stuff, but basically saying like, um, treat racism like COVID-19. Mm. So first, assume you have it. Two, listen to experts about it. Three, don't spread it. Four, be willing to change and um, to change your life to end it. Yes. So if you, and if you can't do one through four, inject one bottle of Lysol <laughs> or two of bleach. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, yeah, like I think everything that we've said really pertinent towards uh, basically COVID. Um, so one of the things basically I said, and 
one of the things that we've talked about uh, actually t so uh, I'm kind of bringing it back I'm touching on something that Husney said about the youth clubs I forgot exactly what it was but it just kind of triggered to me like people don't realize how racist it was that when Boris was the mayor of London and when the whole um, when the the era of um, uh, what have it, I've even forgotten the term now what what is it that they austerity that's the one when they were cutting everything um, yeah. how much the youth clubs meant to the communities that they were catering to um, and of course like one of the things that Carla said that it's no surprise that the places that were funding youth clubs where they were closed down especially in the inner cities um, where young boys were growing up are uh, are also the areas that had these dramatic these dramatic increases in um, what we now call gang activity uh, which includes knife crime um, and obviously we can go we can go down the whole whole the whole of how that term in itself has been racialized but it's not that episode um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the economics of how people that how people can actually defend themselves against covid the things that we've talked about people have to buy a lot of the if we remember at um initially um during covid a lot of people were saying how is it that the medical frontliners can't get tests but these um politicians and celebrities can so um we have to remember that that is down to economics more than anything the celebrities and the politicians um who else got it? Oh, there were there were some some pretty because I think it was Tom Hanks came out um, on, on our side. Idris Elba came out, um, who uh, obviously Boris did because he was in in COVID ward shaking people's hands without a mask. Jeez, and this is the and this is the person we're supposed to take seriously on medical advice. Like, are people really serious? Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is, there's a picture a while back. Just look at inside Boris's car. Yeah, he's, he's driving. He's, he's driving. He's driving a Seat, like a family car, mm. so like a van type thing. Yeah, mm. and the he's literally eaten food, throwing it on the back, like oh, absolutely disgusting. There's like finished oh, bottles of sugar in the back, and this looks like it's been there for about a good six months. Mm. Uh, and this is the guy, so I'm not really surprised. You know, hygiene's not high. Who, on that. Who's surprised? Who's surprised? Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, so the the thing I was saying is the economics of all this, and um, so I was I was touching on on first of all the youth clubs that were obviously closed and defunding them, uh, where uh, and uh, whereas you know they've funded the pol they cut police in the UK, they funded police in the US roughly. Well, they cut police numbers, but the police have still been militarized, so there's still been a disproportionate amount of funding um the u.s's history of um the u.s history is very linear when it comes to black people and economics first you're uh, the people came in on a bill of sale they were kidnapped africans they were enslaved and they were branded um they were not allowed to get money they couldn't own property they couldn't own their business they couldn't like obviously gather assets 400 years um, once that was outlawed, abolished, then you get sharecropping and chain gangs. Uh, chain gangs uh, and basically is, is what amounts today to prison. Um, it were, black people were, um, they were charged for minor infractions uh, and taken to prison where their labor was then free and for the white man. Sharecropping was essentially slavery just with a middleman. Um, uh, we can go into that another time as well and obviously then there was the KKK's resurgence, Black Code's Jim Crow um, which again basically meant that it was uh, people got away with impunity for mistreating black people. South Africa, you've got apartheid, black people literally could not own their own business and that is something that ended in our generation. We are not 30 years old yet so for the hundreds and thousands of years of our history um, but obviously since the white man's in interference uh, black people in South Africa could not own their own businesses there are uh, obviously there's obviously going to be a legacy to that um, when we get to the UK 
the intimidation and the police complicity, uh, as in the police were both in the gangs, or they allegedly were in the gangs that were uh, intimidating black people and obviously black owned businesses. But the uh, uh, the amount of carnage that was caused in terms of arson uh, that was not that was then not properly investigated. Um, you know, any time the police were involved, they treated the victims as if they were, um, what do you call it, as if they were, um, what's the word? Sorry? The ones who were in the wrong. Yeah, uh, basically the, the victims of crimes um, in the black community were treated. I mean, Stephen Lawrence is the most drastic and dramatic, um, but that doesn't relate specifically to economics. What I'm talking about is the, the history of uh, black businesses that have been burnt down and the police have bundled their investigation. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing uh, in the current context, so what's the date today? It is the 10th of June. It is the 10th of June. There have been a lot of flames fanned onto the conversation around statues and their significance. And so I'm bringing this round as well. The, the business and the assets that were accumulated by people like Edward Colston, uh, as well as why we venerate him on a statue, are the reason why it is important that we actually tell the real history of what that person did to gain that money. Um, the fact that you put a statue there, obviously, um, oh God, uh, this thing stopped recording, excuse me. <sighs> it's not the time. Okay, so what I was saying is the reason people like Edward Colston are, are like deserve to have a statue um, need to be addressed, obviously. Um, and obviously the reason why the people in opposition also need to be addressed. The, the fact that we're having this conversation now is because protesters took it into their own hands with regard to Edward Colston. But um, as I speak right now, um, Cecil Rhodes statue is standing outside Oxford and the Rhodes Must Fall movement has um, gained a lot of energy once again. There are protesters outside there and as usual, the police are in opposition to it. Um, Oh, okay. Bring it back to COVID. Sorry. That was, well, that was still to do with COVID and the economic impact um, and why black people are less equipped to react to it. Um, Charlie, you mentioned processed foods. That's one of one of the things uh, in the US, they have food deserts. In the UK, it's more or less down to the economics of not being able to afford um vegetables uh, decent food sometimes and i i do understand for um like you like we we have said this before that that there does have to be some element of uh, personal responsibility but at the end of the day the best produce goes to the people who pay highest for it um that's currently what happens here um it is uh, a, a a product of both proximity and availability sometimes like we said, people in the inner city don't have the access to uh, the fresh produce that I do. For instance, I'm in North Wales, so I've got more fresh produce available to me than Mandem in Peckham and all of that. So, what do you, you coming from the inner city, would you agree with that? Um, I think it it depends. Like to be fair, one good thing about London is a lot of um, there's a lot of shops. Um, by, you know, for example, in in, in you have a lot of the Kurdish immigrants, yeah, you have a lot Turkish, of like Indian shops as well. Indian shops, so they actually get like a lot of produce. Into be fair, yeah, I was but... going to say because me growing up in Leicester, yeah, um, living in Leicester um, during my teenage years, um, you and I know it's not the, the the size of like London, but you would literally be able to go to these Indian shops where it was actually even cheaper buying fruit and vegetables there than it was going to to your local Tesco's. Um, and you obviously coming uh, coming from London, inner city London as well. Yeah, it, it was it was the same as well. Like we had you know access to those things. Um, in my area of North London, Harrow, there was a lot of you know Pakistanis as well as Algerian butchers, which had like you know really fresh groceries, and it was actually quite cheap. Like you could actually get like I don't know about a kilo of oranges for about one pound fifty and stuff like that. So they do these kind of offers. 
was it the best quality? Sometimes not, you know, hit and miss. But majority of the time, it was okay in that sense. So I think for us in in in, in inner city, it was actually it wasn't too, too bad. Um, but, but yeah, for those who don't actually know what a food desert is, it's basically areas, especially in America, where you know there's actually no shops um, that you know, supply fresh groceries and produce for certain communities. Yeah, or they do, but it's it's so much more expensive compared to your processed food. So like, a bit of broccoli might be like four dollars, whereas you can buy a box of pop tarts for like a dollar. So what are you going to choose when you, when money is strapped and you don't have a thing? You can obviously go for pop tarts because you can like. There's a whole box of them with 10 Pop-Tarts. I don't know how many Pop-Tarts there are in the box, but, you know, just an example. Um, <laughs> compared to a head of broccoli, which would really just feed you, probably, if you've got, like, a big family, yeah. it's only going to feed you once. Um, so people yeah. end up being... You're almost forced to buy the bad quality food mm. and the yeah, bad processed food because you don't have that. But I really don't think it's the same thing in Europe and in the UK. Mm. Um, much as you, you were saying, yes, we might not get as good quality as you would get in maybe a, a Waitrose or in a Sainsbury's, which are your more higher end um, supermarkets. But I really think that you can get, um, and we don't have the same issue of food deserts in the UK like they do in the US. Yeah. And I think that people... Um, need to make the conscious decision to go and buy vegetables um i know so many africans so many african people of the diaspora who do not like vegetables and will sit there and be like a meal is not a meal without having meat on the plate and yeah. um and will happily eat a plate of meat but will ignore the vegetables even if it's a, even if it's offered to you yeah. because they just don't like to eat vegetables and it's not part of our culture so i think using the whole um I, I re, it's, it's something that's really passionate for me as well because i don't want to see my community mm. dying of diseases which are preventable just because of the types of food that you're eating yeah. there's so much that you can do and that you can go out and using the excuse that it's not available to you, I don't think, when you live in the UK, it's different if you're in the US, yeah. you live in the UK, it is a stupid excuse because it is available to you. Unless you literally live in a hamlet where there is no shop and it does it takes you 20 miles to get to the nearest shop, then it's different. But if you live in inner city London, you have abundance, you have more choice than any other place in the whole of the UK. Having been to London myself, I've never really lived in London, but I know that you have access to so much yeah. in London itself compared to where I grew up, which was in some stupid little village in the middle right. of nowhere. Even there, come, come to North Wales. <laughs> and even there we had um, access to food mm -hmm. and there is so much food that just goes to waste as well in the UK. So I think using that as an excuse is it's it's not an excuse in my opinion because mm. in the UK it's just it's just not an yeah. excuse. Do you think? And I think as well, sorry. Um, vegetables, whether you buy organic or you don't buy organic, you can actually get organic food that's also cheap. But yes, I do understand that um, you have to go to specific shops for that. Um, but even if it's not organic, that food is ten. If you buy a trolley full of vegetables and a trolley full of processed shit, I promise you that the, the trolley full of vegetables will be 10 times cheaper than your processed food in the UK. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Mm. And, and I think that's the case for, for a lot of people. Um, I know we keep talking about America and stuff, but I think it's very important to kind of see, obviously, what the, the black community there's also going through. We're just like, we're a web of, you know, humans being that are connected through, you know, our, our melanin, really. Yeah. So we all and this is, yeah, and this is just thing. talking from a European perspective. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. in Europe, the rest of mainland Europe will have the same access as they do in the UK. Yeah. Um, obviously, Africa is different as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about the UK in the context of Brexit on another episode, obviously. Um, but yeah, that situation generally might change. 40% um, of our 
goods are from Europe which includes a, a disproportionate amount of that of the fresh produce like um, I'm not sure which vegetables we do produce in the UK on mass but I do know that we obviously get a lot from uh, Manta what do you say pears potatoes apples potatoes, pears yeah. uh, sugar beets yeah. to make sugar um, but due not to the, much to be due fair. to the climate nothing much grows the most of the stuff is from Israel yeah um, so I never used to kind of, I never wanted to buy this stuff from Israel for mm. my own yeah. reason. As a boycott thing. Um, also, there was a lot of stuff from Spain as well, which we were trying yeah. to like boycott very hard if you don't. Because we were, yeah, for migrant workers. So, Spain, there's, you know, a, a lot of situations that happens where migrants come in and get treated really, really bad. Um, yeah. There's also there and they're sort of stuck in this sort of slavery thing as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's very, very important to see where your food comes from. But again, vegetables are lit the only time we eat meat is when we go out and i actually don't really miss it so mm. okay um yeah i think charlie's right we will wrap this one up uh we've kind of talked about a couple of the mechanisms that contribute to black people in the, essentially in the west because as we've said before on the continent would um they've done a great job of keeping the incidents down um, and that has been underreported. Like uh, black people are not dying from COVID in significant numbers on the continent, whereas in Europe and in the US they are. Um, and we've talked about some of the mechanisms of why that is happening. Um, and the UK as well. I think if you're looking at statistics, um, has that the highest has the highest death rate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so um we will you know we'll delve into this let uh, for, for our audience let us know what you think about what we're talking about obviously um obviously uh, try and tell us about the the topic specifically i have attempted to kind of give them headers um the topics that we're talking about in terms of talking about medical racism and we're also talking about the economics and the, the legacy of of um, uh, basically slavery, the colonial era, and what that has led to today. Um, I'm not really sure how you can title that, but um, if you really want to refute anything, let us know if you want to add to the conversation. Of course, you're very welcome. Um, yeah. Anything to add? Yeah, be sure to follow us on our Instagram, which is at we will win Baba. Um, and yeah, until next time, I guess. Indeed. Um, yeah, so like, share, um, do subscribe. Indeed, follow us, guys. Um, hey. And yeah, feel free to also give us topics which you'd like us to, to tackle within the community. Yes. And yeah, that's that. Yes, like, share, subscribe. We will in Baba Podcast. Yay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We will win. We will win. We will win.